Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack, with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Good to have you along. You know this is presented by BetOnline.ag, the online sportsbook experts. They're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, of which this podcast is part of. So use the promo code PODCAST1. You get your 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, sponsor of Podcast One Sportsnet. Listen, this is a unique episode. I'm going to do a little rant here, Brant's rant, about Russell Wilson signing this humongous contract that puts him at the top of the chain of the NFL in a lot of different categories. And I'm going to record this rant before I interview the man who negotiated this contract, Mark Rogers, the agent for Russell Wilson. So I have no idea what he's going to say, but I'll give my thoughts even before he comes on, and then we'll see how much he validates, invalidates, uh, goes right or left, zigs or zags with what I was talking about. My view was this. First of all, kudos to Russell Wilson and his agent for putting a deadline on it. You know my saying, deadline spur action. Their deadline of April 15th, you see a lot of deadlines in sports, usually with contracts having done them for so many years. You know, we talked about start of training camp. We talked about start of the season. We talked about start of free agency. Haven't really talked about start of off-season workouts, but it makes sense. It's a good thing to do. And and looking back on what Wilson did, yeah, because that's the unofficial, but maybe even official start of the 2019 season. And when the team gathers, as all teams are doing here in mid-April, to sort of begin the season. And once they do that, then game on. So I just think that was a good deadline. Now, if they didn't hit the deadline, and now we can say they did and made the deal and all that, would Wilson have really shut up and not talked about not really entertained any offers going forward, whether it be in June or July or August or even October, December, even February when the franchise deadline came up, I don't make too much of this sort of it never would have happened again. I can ask Mark Rogers about that. But yeah, uh, the deadline's a good thing. And the deal, listen, uh, we'll talk about this again. We haven't interviewed him yet. It's coming. Uh, You know, I don't know if all this was real about yeah, it's going to be an incredible contract. They're going to listen. The power of precedent. Teams love precedent. I talked about this with the Aaron Rodgers deal. The, the Packers threw stupid money at Aaron Rodgers so they could keep their structure. No future guarantees. No true guarantees. Again, this contract I'm sure will have a lot of injury guarantees past year one. Meaning, if if Wilson suffers a career-ending injury, he would still get paid in year two, year three, etc. But not true guarantees, which are true cap skill injury guarantees. Like if you get cut because you stink, if you get cut because they don't have enough cap room, if they get cut because of injury, that's a true guarantee. And the way these contracts work in Green Bay, in Seattle, and many other places, it's Pittsburgh. The only real guarantee is first year money. And of course, they're not going to cut you the first year. It's really even stupid to say it's guaranteed first year. Of course, it's guaranteed first year. 
So I just think this is kind of the thing that the teams protect. And once again, we heard noise about, well, you know, the Seahawks are going to have to give them future guarantees or this idea, the same with Rodgers, that there'd be some kind of cap percentage deal or make it adjustable that if people pass him by in the market, his contract adjusts. Give me a break. That was never going to happen. Never going to happen with Rodgers. Never going to happen with Wilson unless those guys got to free agency or the cusp of free agency after one or two franchise tags. Then they could lever that, but not in the situation that Russell Wilson was in. So, like the Packers, the Seahawks threw a ton of money at him, made the deal, and what a deal it was for him. I mean, reportedly $65 million signing bonus and 107 after three. You know, huge numbers, but as far as we can tell, kept their guarantee structure only one year. And it's silly because this funding rule that teams have to escrow future guarantees <laughs> – Teams don't want to do that. We're talking about ownership worth $20 billion in Seattle, the the estate of Paul Allen, his sister. Uh, Come on. (laughs) But it's precedent. The power precedent is so big for teams. And that's what we'll talk about. So kudos to Russell Wilson and my guest for this week's podcast, Mark Rogers, for getting a deal done. And kudos, I guess, to the Seahawks for not breaking their precedent. They can look at every player, Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, etc., and say, we didn't break precedent. And there's no way you can ask for anything else that Russell Wilson didn't get if you're another player. It just doesn't happen. So they got their precedent, and Wilson got his money. We'll talk about it. And we'll do that now without further ado. My guest for the podcast this week, the agent for Russell Wilson, Mark Rogers. Mark, you're someone I've known for a long time, and we've talked about the business of sports, not just business of football, baseball, etc., it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Really wanted to get you on for some time. Thanks for being with me. Andrew, you know, it's, it's both a pleasure and an honor. Obviously, um, you come at this business from a lot of different perspectives. You have a, a viewpoint. I think it's, uh, I always tell Rick Hahn, I, I know you probably know Rick from the Chicago yeah. White Sox. He's their general manager. And, and you and Rick have the unique um, perspective of having handled our business on both sides. And, uh, it's always, it's always fun. To, it's always fun to negotiate with Rick because he knows exactly what I'm doing. But, uh, right. but anyway, but, uh, really this is, it's neat to get on the phone and get a chance to, to catch up. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, I just remarked that, uh, I'm old, so I'm now in my third decade finishing my third decade. So one decade on the player side, one on the team side, and then this sort of media and academia kind of analyst decade, which is, you know, yeah. fun for me. Maybe there'll be a fourth decade of something else. Who knows? <laughs> well, and I, ho- I hope in this third decade you're just finishing up that you have a chance, I'm sure you have had, knowing you, to influence the decision makers of the future because as our, our business, as you know, is, is, has really evolved over – I think you and I are contemporaries as far as how long we've been yeah. in business. And uh, to see the evolution of, of, of just not only the economics of the game, but the business side, the analytics side, the, the, the work and the time that goes into things today that took literally minutes before and now take weeks and months. But uh, it's an interesting, interesting time in sports. Great time to be a, to be have a chance to influence young minds like you do. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, that's part of my thing, which is kind of giving back. I, you know, I'm not going to cure cancer, but. Hopefully, I'm going to give back in the way that I know best, which is knowledge and insights that can help uh, not only younger people, but I get a lot of older 
professionals looking to maybe switch gears to sports and give insights that maybe they don't get elsewhere. But you kind of pushed me into a segue I wanted to go to right away because you have this unique perspective in not talking to, quote unquote, just a football agent. And your primary focus in the sports world has been baseball. So sort of take us through how you got into it and is sort of your, your ventures from baseball to football and maybe football is just Russell Wilson. Maybe people need to know uh, sort of that's an interesting sort of career path. Well, you know, it's been, it's been a circuitous route for sure. And, and, you know, I don't, a lot of people don't know this. My first job out of law school, I graduated Florida state in 1987. My mm-hmm. first job out of law school, I worked for Robert Fraley. I don't know if you remember Robert. Of I course, yeah. In a plane crash with, with Payne Stewart, but Robert, I worked for Robert for just a year. And, uh, and, and one of the, one of the neat things about back then was in 19, when DRI graduated in 87, a young man was coming out of the University of Miami who was a pretty good running back named Alonzo Highsmith. And <laughs> as it turned out, I had been a teacher and a coach at Christopher Columbus High School in Miami. And Alonzo was one of my students and I had coached football. I wasn't the head coach, but I was one of the assistants. So I got to know Alonzo and wow. one of his teammates was a young man named Mike Shula. And so, um, I ended up, I still work with Mike a little bit, but, um, ended up, uh, Alonzo kind of followed me to, to Robert Fraley and Robert was able to, uh, to represent him. And, you know, I, I helped out as much as I could. And so that really, my first foray into this business was actually at the, really the highest end of football. We had, uh, Alonzo had a good friend named Jerome Brown. And I know you remember that mm-hmm. name. He was a sixth pick in the draft that year. And they had a good friend named Winston Moss and he was a second round pick. Wow. Tampa Bay had a pretty, pretty good draft because of Alonzo. But so I got, you know, I was with Robert. We did uh, back then he was doing a lot of coaches. So I got a chance to work in that environment, buddy, buddy Ryan and Joe Gibbs and, 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 and uh, Bill Parcells at a time when Bill coaches Parcells, salaries yeah. were, were beginning to take off. And so Robert was working with them. And, and I had a chance to, we had a, we got a new client, a young golfer uh, who was pretty good, but a little bit brash, a little bit my age. And so they kind of handed them over to me and his name was Payne Stewart. And so I had a chance to work with Payne and uh, which was a lot, was fun. So I, you know, I, I, so I left after I left that firm, I continued, I stayed in football and I did actually, I had, I had more football clients at one point than I had baseball, but as mm. time evolved, Andrew, and you know how this goes in sports, I actually had represented an NBA player as well. I was certified in all three sports at one point, but as time goes on and because of the way our business has evolved is really year round in each sport, it became yeah. more and more evident to me that I was really going to have to uh, specialize in one of the three. And it just seemed at the time that, you know, I had a really nice young baseball clientele um, and the longevity of the career was a little bit more amenable to my schedule and style. And, um, and so I kind of really kind of began to lean heavily in baseball and over time, uh, you know, didn't recruit any more football players. I actually, I don't, people don't probably know this. I let my certification in football laps, I had to go back and take the test so I could represent Russell in the last, the last contract we did, not this path, mm-hmm. this most recent one, but the one before that. But, uh, so that, that's really the evolution, but it's neat because, um, you know, and, and I know you, this is probably going to be your next question. I hate to anticipate what you're going to ask, but if I wasn't represent, doing football, how did we get Russell Wilson? And, and really it was, uh, it's, 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 you're probably not going to believe this because nobody in our industry can, I didn't recruit <laughs> Russell Wilson. And uh, Russell Wilson called me. Um, he was uh, he was being he was being scouted in baseball at North Carolina State. So he was a in baseball he was a junior, so he was eligible for the draft. In football he was a redshirt sophomore. 
So he had an opportunity in baseball. Scouts loved him, and he called me on the phone. I flew to Raleigh and met him. Uh, we had a wonderful meeting, and next day he hired me. And, uh, of course, he was a fourth-round pick in baseball, and we, we got a deal done for him. And he played the first summer in Tri-Cities, which is near Seattle. And, uh, and so, you know, represented him in that. And, you know, I went through, you know, his, his dad passed away that summer, and it was a hard time. And really, I became as much of probably a father figure as a lawyer uh, to mm-hmm. him. And, um, you know, really helped him make a lot of difficult decisions, including the next year when Tom O'Brien gave him an ultimatum. Uh, if he went to spring, if he wasn't at spring football, that he probably was going to lose his job to Mike Lennon. Uh, Russell chose to, to go to spring training. He had graduated from college already. And so he could he could leave school after the football season, and he did to go play um, to go play baseball. And uh, at that point, uh, Tom gave him his release, and you know the rest of the story. He ends up at Wisconsin, and right. um, and that's and then in Seattle, and and here we are. You know, it's interesting. You you and I have more parallels than I even knew because I was representing a player named Ricky Williams as oh, a yeah. baseball oh, baseball agent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when he was summers in the Philly system. And then, of course, you know, I a little different than Russell because he was, you know, the Heisman Trophy and all that. And I hung on for dear life while all the big agents snipped at my heels and did hang on. And then, of course, he left me for Master P. That's a whole nother story. But um, I wonder, did you have that same kind of bigger agents, football agent only nipping at your heels in trying to hang on to Russell. Now, I know he's not a first five pick like Ricky, but a third round pick when that was all going on, coming out of the draft, coming out of uh, college. Well, that's, that's, and that's a great that question. Well, Ru- yeah, Russell Wilson was not Ricky Williams, obviously, uh, because there was a lot of, at that point, a lot of question about his, his, his physical, you know, could, could, could his stature, could his height, would it, right. would it, transition into the NFL. So, you know, there was a real mixed opinion on him. It's interesting. Russell wanted me to, you know, to be involved. And again, the relationship had been such that I think it was pretty clear I was going to stay involved, but because I wasn't, I wasn't certified in football, we had to go find an agent. So, and this is a true story and I'm not going to tell you who they are because I don't want to embarrass them, but I, but, but we kind of sat down and looked at a list. I gave him some recommendations. There were four agents that we called. Um, and, 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 and trust me, three of them, you'll know. And I can't tell you who they are because I promise you I won't embarrass them. But but I called them, and the first one I called, who's a big-time guy who represents a bunch of quarterbacks, and Russell was kind of enamored with them, had no interest in Russell Wilson, which is interesting. <laughs> and he knows who he is. And uh, and then another one uh, couldn't get couldn't get on an air wouldn't get on an airplane and fly in to meet with Russell. Russell was at IMG at the time. I had gotten him at IMG to begin to train for the combine. So really, we were mm-hmm. looking for a negotiator and somebody who was certified. He wouldn't get on a plane to come down. He said, no, I said, I can't do it. I, it's too much money. It's not worth me flying down to go meet with him. So he scratched him off the list. Right. But, <laughs> this is true. The third one was a guy that I really, really, really liked. And, uh, and I can't tell you his name because he's still very active in the business, but he had mm-hmm. to, uh, he was recruiting two quarterbacks at the time. Actually, he was recruiting another quarterback at the time. And when I called him, he was, he was intrigued and interested, but he, uh, he he went. Apparently, the conversation came up in 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 a in a conversation with the other quarterback's father, and the other quarterback's father made this agent insist and promise that he wouldn't represent any more quarterbacks in the draft. So this agent had to choose between his client, or not his client, but the other quarterback and Russell, and right. chose the other quarterback. 
And so <laughs> this is a true story. God loved him. And, and I, I think the world of Bus Cook. So Bus was the fourth guy. And, and, and you know, Bus was kind of a legendary guy with, with yeah, no done some neat well, deals sure. in football. And I, I love I love Bus Cook. Bus Cook's just, just one of my favorite people of all time. And I called Bus. And Bus was supposed to fly down and meet with us. We were, we were at IMG. And now we have nobody to meet with. And Bus is supposed to come down and fly down. He's going to fly. I don't know if you know, Bus flies his own airplane. He was going to fly down, but he got, he's in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and, and there's fog right. on the ground, and they can't get out of town. And so Bus gets in his Escalade, and he, and he and his wife drive down to Tampa. And, and at this point, Russell and I and, and Russell's wife at the time were, were sitting in a conference room waiting, waiting, waiting. And Bus is you know, supposed to meet at like 10 o'clock. Bus gets in around 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, Russell's wife's sound asleep. Russell's tired as heck. I'm tired. <laughs> Bus comes in. His wife's asleep in the car. He comes in. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I think we talked to bus for about three minutes. And, How and, many? And we all go our separate ways. About three minutes. It was, it was, it was, well, first of all, at this point, he's the only one who's interested. <laughs> the only Jesus. one we got on the hook. And we're getting ready to go to the combine, right? So it's pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, we, we uh, actually was getting ready to go to the senior bowl. And, uh, uh-huh. and so next morning I get with Russ and say, hey, what do you think? He goes, well, Mark, he goes, it really doesn't matter what I think. It does it. He goes, there's only one person who wants to help us. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Bus, and so I called Bus and said, "Hey, I got great news for you, you know." And so um, Bus helped us do the first <laughs> deal, um, and uh, and yeah, Bus actually negotiated Russell's rookie deal, and uh, and then I ended up becoming certified, uh, took the test, passed, certified, and then and then started representing Russell beyond that. I'm just wondering, was that the plan to bring in Bus or whoever, you know, is sort of experienced, certified to get you through the rookie contract negotiations? But was the plan all along for you to become certified for the second contract, or was that discussed? Well, it wasn't really discussed, and it would have been, you know, I, I hate to say this, but probably presumptuous on my part to think there would be a second contract. I mean, who knew mm-hmm. then, right, what would happen right. with Russell in the draft? Right. Who knew that it would evolve like this? But, you know, you got a pretty strong sense after his rookie year, obviously, when he gets named the starter, and then he goes out and has a nice rookie year. They go to playoffs win a game against Washington and should have beat Atlanta in the second round. And it's pretty clear that he's going to, he, he's, he's going to make it the league. And, you know, at that point he and I talked about it and I told, you know, and, and I, you know, it was, it was, it was, I, I have a lot of loyalty to bus and, and, you know, I think bus was very understanding at the time. I uh, still is. I think, you know, he, he, I think he kind mm-hmm. of always assumed and took, you know, that, that at some point if, if it evolved for Russell, that I probably would get certified and end up being his, you know, football agent as well as his baseball agent. Because really, Andrew, Andrew, you know this, but because you probably had this kind of relationship with the guys you had, but, you know, we don't just negotiate contracts. And right. in Russell's world, um, you know, I'm kind of the, hate to say it, but I'm really the CEO of his of his entire, right. you know, everything he does of his life. Um, and so, and you know how that works. And, and so, you know, you just, you become so ingrained in the, in the day-to-day fabric of his life and with his family and his businesses and his, I do all of his endorsements. I handle all his branding and his marketing. And, uh, and so it just, it seemed a natural transition to go ahead and get certified in football and keep everything in house. Right. So during this rookie contract, you know, obviously he becomes, as I wrote and said many times, the most undervalued player in the league, starting quarterback, making whatever mm-hmm. he's making, mm-hmm. 600, 700,000 a year. Um, was there, you know, and, and we noticed, certainly you noticed, I noticed the Seahawks signing up Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett and 
all these contracts sort of making their hay while they had such an undervalued quarterback. Uh, so they only, you know, they can only do deals three years into the CBA. That's what's allowed now. Was there, and, and frustration may be too strong a word, but was there kind of looking around at that time like, geez, you know, what is going on here? He's making $600,000. Players like him are making twenty to $25 million a year. Were there those thoughts going on in that rookie contract span? You know, there really wasn't because, again, and you know, I, I realize you I, you know the answer before you ask the question, but the, the reality is we all understand, you know, the realities of the NFL just as we do baseball and basketball. They're, the collective yeah. bargaining agreement controls those things. It's it's something a document not negotiated by by those rookie players, but it's one they have to live with. And as you know, right. I, I know you know and. And your, your, both your listeners know that, that, that how rookies get paid in sports has really evolved um, in the last you know several years, and and the limitations on their on their earnings in the NBA is is very very you know definitive. Uh, football because of the, the the rookie the rookie wage scale, and even in baseball now where we have you know a, a limitation on signing bonuses, and so. You know, those rights of players who really aren't members, aren't constituencies of the Player Association, those rights have been negotiated away. And, you know, you bide your time, right? It's, right. Um, it, it's part of the process. I think you have to be patient. It, it's, it's, you know, I, I've always felt, and, and, and I do this with my young baseball players, too, who aren't yet eligible for arbitration and not yet eligible for free agency, to get caught up in what, what could be or what might be or what you should have and aren't getting is to take away from the energy that you need to put together a, a body of work now that will, you know, create the platform for a better deal down the road. And if you get all right. cut up and I'm not getting paid enough, I'm not making enough, um, then, you know, that, that, that I, I feel like that, that carries with you all the way through your career instead of saying, look, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to earn the new contract and I'm going to get paid well when I get it. Really, in Russell's case, that's it's kind of what happened. Um, you know, he, you know, that kind of what happened. It is what happened. His first extension, yeah. not a, yeah, I guess it was an extension. You know, he becomes the second highest paid quarterback right behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, at the time I, 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 you know, we, we certainly fought hard to do above that. Um, there was a lot of things we wanted to do, but, um, but it, you know, he had never been paid, uh, at the time it was a joke, running joke between Russell and I, he wanted to buy a house. I wouldn't let him until we did the deal. He didn't have the money to buy a house. <laughs> right. And uh, he wanted to move his mother and his sister from Richmond, Virginia to Seattle. And there's other mm -hmm. things he wanted to do that he couldn't do because really, again, in the, in the in relative scheme of things, he hadn't made the kind of money yet to do those things. So, you know, it's, I, I know, you know, you know, Jeff Moore, I very, very well. Sure. And uh, Jeff was one of my mentors growing up in this business. And of course, Jeff represents, you know, he and Lee were, were icons in our business when they were partners and, and doing football and baseball and um, really had a, 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 not only a diverse practice, but a, you know, a, a, you know, a well, well-known, maybe, maybe at the time were the biggest well-known agents in the business. And I, you know, Jeff's just somebody I got to know well and I trusted and I confided in and, and, and kind of helped me through the process. He and Ray Anderson were really two guys that I relied yeah. on a lot really in my business days. And, and, um, and Jeff told me one time, um, he didn't use this word, but he used a more definitive word, but he, he, we were talking about young players and he said, Hey, don't ever mess around with the player's first fortune. And it's a, it's, it was great advice because you have to let that player get, you know, 
you have to let the player have that first contract. You know, you have to understand his, his, his emotional needs, his physical needs, his financial needs right. and, and fill those tanks up. And I always tell my guys after we do the first one, the second one's mine. <laughs> the second one's mine because the first one <laughs> makes you comfortable. The second one creates generational wealth. And let, yeah. me, let me work on that one because that's the one that will ultimately decide your financial fate forever and, and probably the fates of your, your children and maybe even your grandchildren. And uh, it's funny because I mentioned that to Russell many, many times as we were preparing mm-hmm. for these negotiations. So that's really interesting. I mean, and again, another parallel thread between uh, you and I with, you know, I knew Jeff, we had similar backgrounds, him in baseball, me in football, sort of being agent then team exec. He went on ownership, which I, of course, mm-hmm. never did. Mm-hmm. But now I, I run a program at Villanova mm-hmm. University endowed by Jeff Morad, mm-hmm. who was by a Jeff graduate Morad, there. I, teaching sports law and sports business. So nice parallel there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What you said about the first, the not the first contract, the extension contract in 2015, I lauded that contract because not only did it sort of fall in line right behind Aaron Rodgers, but something I always point out to readers, listeners that really they don't pay enough attention to is the starting point. And most starting points are like Russell's deal right now, where the quarterback is making 17, 18, 20, 25 million dollars to jump off into their new big, big contract. Russell Wilson, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone, was jumping off at a ridiculously low number due to the rookie contracts of around a million dollars, I believe. And mm-hmm. made that million turn into it, you tell me, but I think that year turned into like $32 million. Right. So right. Exactly. fantastic deal from my point of view, because when you compare contracts, a lot of different ways to do it. But one of the more prime ways in my mind is starting points. And that kid was coming off a million dollars and had a 31 or $32 million bonus. So kudos on that one. And that really set him up over these past four years. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, that, listen, what you're trying to do is maximize, right. Maximize these opportunities. And, you know, it's, it's, I'd love to say that, that, that I'm smart enough to look down the road far enough to say, yeah, we, we set that up for the next one and the next one. But, you know, somebody asked me today, are, are you already starting to think about the next one? No, I'm thinking about my ne- next, good night of sleep, which I haven't had in a long, long, long time. So I'm looking forward to that more. So right now that I'm Russell's next deal, but of course, Andrew, you and I know that the landscape of, of the game we both love is going to change dramatically here in the next three or four years. Um, and yeah. that will obviously have a, a we, we believe a positive financial impact, but the, I think that the rules of engagement are going to change dramatically. Uh, the CBA is going to change some. I don't think it's going to change dramatic, so dramatically as to, as to as to really change the structure of the game, but I think the outside forces that are going to come into this um, are going to make it, it, it even bigger than it is, which is almost unimaginable. But it's you know it's it's just inevitable. Um, you look at what's going on, like what 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 Jerry Jones is doing in Dallas, which is just brilliant, yeah, and 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 the, the, the idea that the league is going to Las Vegas. And, and what that's going to create and um, just some of the neat things going on in, in different cities with the league and the idea that we're having the draft in Nashville, right? Um, yeah. There's so many neat things going on, but listen, who, I, I, who knows what's going to happen with, with television rights, whether we're going to be watching games on 
Amazon or, or Facebook or, or Hulu right. or shoot Twitter for that matter. Um, who knows where that's going to come, what, what legalized gambling is going to do and how, how, how the NFL is going to monetize that. Um, and it, certainly they have plans and they're making plans as we speak, but um, there's going to be more money in the game than there's ever been, even on a relative standpoint from you know future and present value of money, it's going to be bigger. Um, so it, it, it'll, it'll be really interesting. So no, I haven't, as I told my friend today, no, I haven't thought about what's going to happen down the road uh, as far as <laughs> Russell Wilson. We just have to wait and see how the game evolves. Well, that certainly begs the question of what just happened. And, you know, you could have, as was reported and, and want you to comment directly on, kind of cut it all off if you didn't do a deal that you that you liked uh, and waited for what you just talked about, for the revenues to all rise and whether they play the franchise tag game or not, you could have waited and see how all these revenues shake out. And in your in your words, maybe found a different landscape. And then you're talking about tens of millions, even more money. Uh, And whether that would happen next year, the year after the year after, who knows, but you chose to do a deal and you had a deadline of April 15th. Tell us about that deadline. And uh, then we'll get into how it came together at the deadline, but setting the deadline itself. How did you figure that out? I sat down with Russell and Sierra. We spent two days together at the Super Bowl, and and I had prepared a lot of things for them to look at and wanted to walk them through all of the different scenarios, including the financial realities of the future of the NFL, as much as we could extrapolate those numbers. And I wanted to give them a sense of what was at stake and, and what we might be able to do now and what we could do in the future. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about, you know, this long checklist of things to talk about, one of them is deadline. Last time, as you know, we put a first day of training camp date on the deadline because Russell didn't want it interfering with, with, right. with what he was doing on the field. And Andrew, you know, about those deadlines. people say, oh, that was artificial. It was artificial. It was artificial. Well, there are no real deadlines in the NFL, right? Except within the collective <laughs> bargaining agreement. But, and so, so every, every, you could make, say that every deadline is artificial, but it was real because it was real to Russell and the ramifications of that deadline were, look, he shouldn't have to step on the field at OTAs or at, at off-season conditioning program workouts on April 15th to prove his value. If his value isn't already right. proven now, then what we didn't want to do is be judged positively or negatively on how he was doing in, for example, OTAs or mini camp and all of those sorts of things. Now people say, oh, that's absurd. Well, it, you know, it's not absurd. You've been on, on both sides of the deal. You know, as a, on the team side, you're looking out the window, watching guys, what kind of shape are they in? What kind of, how they're working, how's their, you know, blah, 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 blah. You don't worry about right. that so much with Russell, but I didn't want him to feel like he had to prove his value. And he didn't want to, right. and, and he was, he was, he was great with this. He said, you know, he, cause he brought up April 15th. First, we talked about pros and cons and, but it was, it was, we couldn't think of any, anything negative other than there'd be a little bit of public backlash about this, you know, maybe it being artificial. Um, but it wasn't, but it was good. It, it, it this deadline spur action. It's, it's the old adage, but it's, it's also a, a truth. <laughs> and so we, we, we did it for that reason. Um, a couple other things, it was before the draft. So if the club was certain they, they, they weren't going to commit to Russell full time, they gave them an opportunity to trade him away if they wanted to. And the, and the third thing really for us, it allowed Russell to plan the rest of his life. We get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Now he knows he's in Seattle, but if we don't get a deal done, there are certain things that we have looming off the field and other things that, that would have been impacted by this, that we were, we, that were pending. 
And so there were real, there were, there, these are real life issues. These, this isn't about just packing a bag and going off and playing in a new city. Uh, this is a guy who has cemented himself in, 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 in Seattle on and off the field over the last seven years. And there was a lot at stake more than just how many, how many dollars are we going to be able to secure? And then, you know, Andrew, look, nobody likes to talk about it, but it, the, the, re, let's, mm-hmm. let's, the, the realities of our game, that baseball and basketball don't really have, have to worry about so much. And that is, it's easy to talk about what Kirk Cousins did and say, boy, he was brilliant. Look how it worked out for him, Mike McCarthy. Right. Okay, it's easy to say that. But in the same sentence, you could say, yeah, but oh, man, how about Alex Smith? You know, and, right. and so you start, you tell a player, look, you play it out. Let's just, you know, let's just go crash the wall. Let's, let's let the contract run out. Let's go franchise, franchise, and boom, we'll be able to take advantage of all these economic, you know, factors that, that are going to infiltrate the league and we'll, we'll, we'll boost this up. Who knows? You may be the first $50 million guy. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm speculating. Mm-hmm. 45, $50 million guy. It's easy to say that. You got to get there. That's a thousand days away. You know, that's, that's. You know, that's 50, 50 more football games. That's a lot of things mm-hmm. that you have to do and, frankly, survive. And there hasn't been a lot of Joe Theismans, and there hasn't been a lot. Of, you know, RG3 had, got, had a devastating injury, didn't cur- totally curtail his career. But, you right. know, the Alex Smith situation is, is a tragedy on levels way beyond football. And right. uh, to think that, you know, his situation was tenuous, I mean, life-threatening. And so, you know, listen, players are allowed to think like that because that's real. Now, they don't play scared, but when you have a, a time in the offseason to consider your future and the rest of your life and your contrastful situation, you're allowed to be thoughtful and you're allowed to think through those scenarios. And, and, and we didn't do this because he was scared of that, but there comes that point in all of these negotiations, as you know, that you always know, listen, there's always going to be more money somewhere else. We know that. Right. That's just the nature of these deals. But at what point is enough enough? And is at what point is the deal the right deal? And is at what point is this is this is this good enough? Is this to, to, to do what you really want to do, which was say in Seattle? And we checked every one of those boxes, you know, in, in going through the negotiation. I think we got there. And, you know, do will people will 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 Andrew Luck or Deshaun Watson or um, Patrick Mahomes or one of these great young quarterbacks, dynamic quarterbacks in the league, will they jump ahead of Russell in their next deal? Likelihood, likelihood is very strong. That's okay. That's part of the deal. You understand that's you know, it's nice to set it for, for, to, to give somebody something to shoot for, but you know what? We root for them to go ahead of us, don't we? Yeah. Cause it just drives the market a little bit higher. We know the cap's going to grow. So the numbers will grow exponentially. It's really well said because you have people like me, frankly, you know, that are out there and some a lot less uh, experienced than me that just sort of throw out things that, oh, man, we got to get that fully guaranteed deal. And what's going on? And why can't they do that in football? Why, why don't these players get there? But the realities are different. And what people don't know about Kirk Cousins is if the Redskins ever gave him a serious offer. He wouldn't have gone to free agency. He wouldn't have never gotten that guaranteed deal. It was by happenstance. 100% right. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. because the Redskins were not in love with Kirk Cousins. I always said they liked him, they wanted to date him, but they never wanted to marry him. Now we get in situations like Luck, like Derek Carr, like so many of these deals. I'm not even talking the superstars like Rodgers and Ryan, where the team says, yeah, we love you. And then... The players can't turn it down. Now, Russell, I do put on that 
cat on that status with Aaron and with Ryan and all the top guys. So you had a market. Now, when you get into the deal, I'm saying this, not you, but you can comment. I'm sure the Seahawks were all about their their precious precedent. And you talk the numbers and whether it's 60 to sign or 65, whether it's 33 average or 34 average, whether it's 150, 170, their primary concern was, well, we can't guarantee past year one in full guarantees and we can't, you know, do any of this crap out there about adjustable contracts or percentage of cap. You know, I always look at it as you got the money, they got the precedent. Now tell me. Is that too simplistic, or were you dealing with some of the things I talked about? I think it was. It's all of the above. I mean, I think it's all of the above. Um, I, I think. Look, you you've been in the room on both sides. You know how important yeah. precedent is. This is not baseball. Uh, you know, baseball without having a hard cap, and and I think again because of the longevity of career, I think because of how baseball rosters are structured. Uh, very different. So players get, for example, a, a popular thing in baseball has become the opt-out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of big extensions being done right now. The rules in baseball have changed, but you know this is different. More players. Um, I'll tell you, I you know I was sitting with Matt Thomas as we were negotiating the language of the backside of this deal, which, as you always mm-hmm. know, is the most difficult part sometimes on this yes. addendum. And I said, you know, Matt, I just cannot believe you guys in football. You guys have not go ahead and codified this and made this one document that every team uses because it's you, right. know, you fight over the tenses of words, past tense, present, right. tense, future right. tense. You're fighting about and words that are, have critical meanings and we shouldn't be doing this. It should, it should be uniformed. And baseball has really tightened their language. Teams have become very uniform. Now it's not codified. Everybody doesn't use the exact same document, but the words, the phrases are, are very similar um, in, 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 in football, it hasn't become that way. But I'll, I'll, look, we, we had some very robust discussions with the Seahawks about our reasons for wanting a, a, a contract that was adjustable to the cap. It doesn't really affect do- the dollars and cents as much as because you have to spend the money if these work, mm-hmm. again, hypothetically, and I'm not saying this is what it calculated at, but if these were 15% in the first year of the new year deal, why is it mm-hmm. worth 15% every year? And, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a, it, it, it makes it, it's, it's, it's rhetorical. The, the answer, the, the question answers itself. It clearly is, but the advantage the clubs have is, as you know, that 15%, that, that whatever it is, 35 million is, is reduced in, in, in how much the impact it has on the cap every single year we were trying to lock in. And, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I was pushing for it is, is all of the things we just talked about previously was how the money was going to go up and why it was going to go up. And we didn't mm-hmm. want our contract to become entirely irrelevant. And again, Andrew, there's ways to protect the club. We, we gave the club ways to protect themselves. We gave, we, we had, op- it wasn't just strict, you know, increase. Um, there was things that could have protected them on it. We talked, we talked, they, you know, that I, I, I will tell you, and you may not, you know, your your listeners may not listen believe this, but John John and I were engaged heavily in. He was trying to understand the concept as much as I think he could, and and trying to see our perspective. Um, at the end of the day, they weren't willing to go down that road. I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, we have these. It's funny you 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 argue about silly things. What's a real guarantee? 
and what's, right. what's, what's, right. what's, what's, what's not. And, and well, you know, functional, to me, a real guarantee what's truly is, is guaranteed, skill, what's kind of guaranteed. Yeah, skill injury cap. It, no matter what happens, right. you still get it. Skill injury cap. That's mine. Well, that's not the Seahawks definition. of uh, and, right. and every club has a different one. I'm not picking on Seattle. But so, so you know, our deal is interesting, right? The signing bonus is fairly large. Uh, that's actually the biggest one, so I guess it's real large. Um, yeah. But the 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 there's a lot of upfront money. Um, there there is a little bit of a skill guarantee. There's significant injury guarantee. So if you take the you take those three things that are already in, if there's they it's 107 million of quote you know everything but skill. Only I think you know the first 70 million is skill because of salary, the signing bonus, and the first year base. But what's interesting is, and this was a concession, and I think you'll understand it and why it's significant. So the last two years of the deal, there are two, there's a roster bonus of $5 million in each year and it's paid on the fifth day of the new league year. So early decision. My feeling was, my feeling was if you, if if, uh, to tell Russell said, Russell, look, if you're going to put $5 million down on a house, you're probably going to buy the house. So they're not going to give you $5 million in March and cut you in August. Right. It's probably not going to happen. Now it doesn't mean it won't happen. There's no guarantee it won't happen, but that's as close with the Seahawks to a skill right. guarantee as you're going to get. Right. And so with having that the last two years, you know, it, it, having injury guarantees up through that, that, that time, and then having those the last two years, I feel like if it's not fully guaranteed, it's about as close as we were going to get to feeling like this contract has a chance to stand up no matter what. Now, again, if, if you could, you and I could paint a thousand scenarios why they wouldn't pay the roster bonus in your the third new year. You know, Russell has an injury that he passes a physical, but you know, they're not quite sure he's the same guy. Right. They decide to move on. They, you know, things have changed, right? There's no, all of a sudden in the CBA, there's no franchise or transition tag. And, and they decide to cut, cut, cut out of the deal early, you know, and cause he's going to be a free agent anyway, and they can't get anything for him. You know, just, we won't agree to a trade. <laughs> So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons. So I, look, I, it was give and take. I would have loved, I mean, I, I, I fought like heck uh, until really until Sunday morning and the deadline was Monday night at midnight till Sunday morning. And I finally gave them a proposal that really modified the escalators and, and changed some things around. And really, I, I at that point kind of gave them some indication that we would be engaged as much as we possibly could to try to find middle ground, trying to find a compromise to get the deal done. And I'll tell you, they, they, they were, you know, surprisingly pleasant through that part of it and really came back with, with some ideas and some thoughts that really helped get that part of it done, uh, which I was, you know, obviously encouraged by. Yeah. I mean, again, for our listeners to, to flesh out that sort of early roster bonus, this is what agents try to get from teams. So players in their later years don't just sit around from March until August knowing that the the hammer could drop at any point. So the early roster bonus gives some security. And yeah, yes, even for uh, Paul Allen estate, you don't pay someone $5 million to cut them. You know, there have been million-dollar roster bonuses out there. And I don't know if more than a million maybe, but where players have been cut later in the offseason. But well, yeah. I always figure, oh, yeah. you know, what's the yeah. cuttable amounts for these players if you're going to give them roster bonuses? Yeah. And, you know, I ran the I ran the finances in Green Bay. I'd have a hard time cutting a player even o- over like $100,000. Like, yeah. we gave him $100,000 to work out for a few weeks. You know, those kind of things. Yeah. So, you know, getting that, I think, is kudos to you. And the real deal I see as... 
107 over 3, where you call it fully guaranteed or not, that seems to be as secure as you could possibly have done. Well, I appreciate that. I Look, I, 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 I uh, yeah, you, 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 you know, I, I, it's funny. I was telling somebody this morning and, and I know, <laughs> again, I keep going back to you because you've been there, you know, yeah. you used to think early in our careers, you used to think it was always win, lose. Somebody wins, somebody loses in these right, negotiations. Right. Then, then later on you realize that really it's, it's sometimes it's lose, lose. Sometimes both sides have to lose to get the deal done. And, you know, I, and I hope maybe I've matured, maybe I've evolved, but you know, I finally back to win, win. I, I think that, that this is one of those deals when you walk away and both sides say, yeah, we gave in a little bit. We did more than we thought we were going to do. But, but at the end of the day, you know, seeing Russell's reaction and how, how, how he and Sierra feel about it and seeing the reaction in the city uh, among the fans and then seeing the yeah. reaction in the building at, 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 at VMAC this, this week and seeing how everybody in that building reacted to this, um, the impact of all of that made me realize, hey, it was win-win. Uh, Mike McCartney called me yesterday. Mike, Mike represents Kirk Cousins. And, you know, he made right. a really funny comment. He goes, well, you know what? I, I called you because I know you're probably sitting around right now kicking yourself for all the things you didn't get. And uh, he says, because we all do that. And uh, and I said, you know, Mike, I, 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 I really honestly right now, instead of looking at it that way, I'm looking, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of sitting back thinking of, of all the things we did get and how blessed yeah. this kid is uh, to be the highest paid player in the National Football League. Yeah, you know, let that um, I just spoke to a group the other day, a lot of young people, and I have regrets about that very subject. I, when I got to Green Bay, Mark, and I've admitted this before, I did all the wrong things. I wanted to show, and I didn't even have an owner. I just wanted to show that, yeah, I could get over on these agents, and I won all these. I won all these deals. I won them, and it was the worst thing I ever did because. Players would be unhappy. Agents would be unhappy. Two years, three years into the contract, I'd have problems. And I learned the hard way. You cannot try to yeah. win every every deal. And I was winning on yeah. you know low round picks or whatever. And it was just not the way to do it. So I learned the hard way. And yeah, I would give in much more later in my career when I'm supposedly much more experienced than early in my career when I was kind of cutting my chops. Yeah, yeah. And, no, it's uh, but, but but isn't it good we learn those lessons? I, you <laughs> yes. know, honestly, I mean, it, it it's it's wonderful that you can reflect back and 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 admit that, and you know, admission against your better interests, but it just makes you better today. And um, I, I I don't know, I uh, I, I, I think uh, I don't know. I think very highly of you for admitting that. I've read I've read that before that you've written that before, and I've read yeah. that. Before. Well, that's quite an admission on your part. But you know what? That's that's why you're 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 so valuable where you are right now in the classroom, getting a chance to influence you know future decision makers, people yeah. who influence major decisions down the road, and hopefully that imp- that your experiences will impact how they make decisions down the road. As we get to the final moments with with you, Mark, I wanted to ask about Russell's reaction, which went viral. Uh, but before we get to his bedroom reaction, what was the the approach to the deadline like? Was this truly, truly a deadline deal, sort of midnight Pacific Coast time on Monday the 15th? Or was it wrapped up earlier and then it was just details, you know, oh, eyes no, and no. Oh, no, no, uh, no. It wasn't wrapped up earlier. No. It, it, it literally at 11:45 we had a 
we had a, a, our last meeting review their final p- proposal. Well, um, I told them that I, I, you know, I told them that we would, I got their final proposal. We talked about it. I needed to talk to Russell. Now it's about 1140. I call Russell and we, we walked through it and, you know, and, and I'm not going to say exactly what he and I talked about, but we were pretty close to knowing we were okay. And, and he, I said, but there's one thing more, there's one more thing we need. And that's when I brought up and he and I had talked about it many, many times, but that's when I brought up the no trade. So that and, was the kick, the final it, kicker, so, the no trade. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wasn't, so we weren't quite done yet. And I didn't tell the Seahawks we were done. So I went down actually Dave and Matt were in Matt's office and I went in there and said, guys, we're, we're close, so close to the finish line. I need one more thing. And, and, and if I get this one thing we're, we got a deal. And I brought up the no trade provision and why. And my, my, my explanation on the no trade was, you know, if you become a free agent in, in baseball, again, I don't know, in football, sometimes it happens, but you get to pick between hope, several cities and you get to choose where you go. And when you do that in baseball, especially, it's recognized that you're going to ask for a no trade because I could have gone to five, six, seven, eight different places, but I chose your city. I want to stay here. Give me a no trade. And it's, it's almost always expected. I just got it with Andrew Miller at St. Louis. We got a no trade provision. And, um, mm. and so it's, 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 it's important. And it was important to Russell because if we're going to, and I'm not saying I'm not calling our deal a discount, but down the road, it'll, it'll proven to be a good deal. I think for the Seahawks as well. And so if we're going to go do that now, okay, let us stay here. Let us at least have the decision, the choice to stay here and play it. You want them and you, you want us to commit to you, you commit to us. John had never done one before, and I could tell him the look right. on his face. Precedent. I wonder about precedent he wasn't necessi- with never having done. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he had never done one before, and he wasn't very happy about it. Because you know how John is on draft night. John's always looking to make yep. a deal, and John's great on draft night, right? We all can't wait to yep. see how he trades out of the first round this year and what he's going to get for it. And so <laughs> right. John hates the idea. I mean, that's that's a handcuff. John doesn't like to be handcuffed on draft night or any other time. And so you th- he's made some dramatic trades, right? Jimmy Graham, um, right. Percy Harvin, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Percy Harvin, huge deal, right? So he's 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 yeah. used to dealing in in marquee players, and and I I put Russell obviously in that group, and so you know John, it, it was you could tell John was uncomfortable. So they asked me to leave the room. They closed the door. They called Jody Allen, and they got all of them oh, on wow. the phone. They were talking about it, and then here comes Pete from his office. He goes into the room. So I know, oh, man, <laughs> it's like I, I did I, I didn't ask to change the team to the Wilson. I just wanted no trade. But anyway, it was it, I think it was painstaking for John. But at the end of the day, they relented. And, uh, and at that point I called Russell back and told him we got it. He said, do the deal. So I went down, it was, it was after 12, it was probably 12, 10, 12, 15 that I went down and, and shook John's hand and told him we had a deal. And, uh, at the celebration began, I think Russell posted at twelve twenty. So did you, know. you, did this no trade? I mean, I, I, the only one I know of in the NFL, you just talked about doing one in baseball, which I think are not common, but much more prevalent. Uh, Mm-hmm. The only one I know in football is is Larry Fitzgerald. Was were there ones out there that you kind of looked at? Um, I you know I looked at a lot of contracts. I I think I I want to say, and you can go back and check with Mike on this. I want to believe Kirk Cousins has one, but Kirk Cousins mm. got it the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. He was a free agent who got to choose between. I think at the end he had three three teams going after him very vigorously. So, yeah, you know, Minnesota Mike, and the Jets, you know, yes. Very smart of Mike to put that in there. Kurt's going to commit to Minnesota. At least give him the discretion or the decision. If you want to trade me to wherever, at least get my consent first. And I may say yes. And some, yeah, as you know, in baseball, sometimes guys say no. I mean, Adam Jones last year at Baltimore was a great example. He's on a team's 
putting together one of the worst records in the history of baseball, and he wouldn't consent to a no trade, to waive his yeah. no trade. It happens. It happens. Did you know Russ was going to put out that uh, <laughs> the bedtime video? You know, if if I had, I might have asked him to do it a little bit differently than he did. Um, but no, I, you know, there's certain things I, I can, I can tell Russell, um, they're about and certain things I can't. And, and honestly, what goes on in the, in the bedroom at the Wilson household stays with the Wilson. So <laughs> I know I wasn't going to go down that road. Uh, you know, it's funny because when Pete saw it, uh, we called, uh, we called Russell from there and Pete and, 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 uh, from the room and Russell had just signed it. But the next morning we were sitting around when we signed the contract and Pete was telling us, Hey, I had a great idea. You know what we should have done, Russ? And you know how Pete is, Pete's real enthusiastic yeah, yeah. and energetic yeah. and, you know, I, you know, we should, we should have done. And so he, he said, you should, should have done the same scene and everything, but then panned over to your right. And I jump out of the sheets too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that would have broken Twitter. Crack up. That, yeah, that would have made, that would have been, yeah, that would have been, yeah, that would have been an all timer. <laughs> So you referenced it before my last question here, the, the life-changing wealth. There's no, I mean, if he didn't have it mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. $31 million bonus, he certainly has it with the $65 million bonus. So you mentioned, I think last time, or maybe it was this time that moving the the sister and the mother out. I mean, what are, mm-hmm. what are his plans, sort of immediate plans with some of this life-changing wealth, or is it sort of just mm-hmm. uh, as we go? Well, if it's going to be life-changing, it's going to be generational. Hopefully, you don't have any plans for this money, right? Hopefully, the last right. contract helped him set himself up to do the things that he really needs to do, um, right, and what he needed to do. And, and now, I th- there really are no plans. I think, I think it's, you know, let's, let's put it to work. Let's get to work. Mm-hmm. Let's, go, let's, go play, let's go play hard. Let's go win some Super Bowls. Let's go. You want to be in Seattle? Let's go win in Seattle. Um, there may be another contract, Lord willing. Um, but I think at this point now, now you do have generation impactful money and, and, you know, let's protect it. Let's take care of it. We don't, just because we have it, we don't have to spend it. He's pretty good about, about that. And, um, and I think, I don't think you're going to see anything extravagant. This guy's not going to go buy an airplane. This guy's not going to go buy another house somewhere just to have one. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's got the things he needs in his life to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he's proven that by how he's played on the field. And, and so, you know, with, with not a lot of needs left, um, I, I think he, he's probably, you're going to see that he's going to be fairly cautious uh, with this money and uh, with his future. It's been great, Mark. I mean, it's taken us all the way through the Russell Wilson story. Now three contracts, the first one done by Bus Cook, who is the only guy interested in him, which is fascinating to begin with. Um, yeah. Congratulations and uh, great job and putting Russell Wilson at the top of the list for who knows how long, but it's it's the right time for the right guy and what a player he is. And it's nice to see such success out of a, a guy like as a short guy myself <laughs> that was not projected to, to do it very funny. much at the beginning. That's fine. Well, I appreciate. It. Listen, thank you for your time. It's 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 always a pleasure to visit with you, and and uh, I hope I hope the insight has been helpful for your listeners. Absolutely, thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Okay, good, Andrew. Thank you. Take care.
What a great interview that was. And now word from betonline.ag. Even though March Madness is over, it's the most exciting time of the year in the NBA and the NHL, the playoffs. you got to get in on the action. Sign up for your free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code PODCAST1, 50% bonus. You know what's going on out there. NBA, NHL matchups. I'm really interested in the NBA playoffs. Can Milwaukee get to the finals? I'm a Philly fan. I think they're the most fun team in the league, but can they get there? And how far can Houston go? Can anyone knock off the Warriors? So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code PODCAST1 or text BETNOW to 238-669. Get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Really appreciate those of you who follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. If you can give us a rating on Apple Podcast rankings and comments, that would be really appreciated. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.